Hello out there, science nerds. You're listening to Evolving with Mr. V, a weekly podcast that covers the week that was in AP biology and much more. I am your host, Mr. Oscar Velasquez, your master of the biological arts. And this is officially episode four, week four of the 2019-2020 school year. In this week's podcast, we will review the week of September 9th through September 13th in AP Biology and look forward to the coming week as well. Spoiler for the week, Pillbug Experiment on Tuesday. Don't forget to bring that stimulus. In our second segment, we will discuss some recent papers published that describe the final horrific hours of the dinosaur's reign on this planet, giving us a clearer picture of the hours after the meteor impact that changed the course of life on Earth. And in our final segment, I will reveal my list of top five teachers' colleagues that I just can't stand at Johnson, aka my enemy list. Now this podcast episode is brought to you by Thanos Tutoring Service. You could not live with your own failure. Where did that bring you? Right back to me. Tutoring you in all your academic needs, keeping you perfectly balanced as all things should be. Remember Thanos Tutoring Service. So let's start our journey and take the red pill from Morpheus and go into the matrix and go back, back to Monday, September 13th. Monday was exam day. That was our main objective, the multiple choice exam over lab safety, experimental design, CER, chemistry, and water. The exam consisted of 42 multiple choice questions and students had the entire period to complete the exam. Now this following Monday, students will have time to review their exam with their Scantron and analyze the questions that were missed and possibly even challenge any questions they think might have been unfair. On to Tuesday. Our main focus on Tuesday was working on the Animal Behavior Lab, the Pillbug investigation. Students put finishing touches on Part A, recording kinesis behaviors, those random movement behaviors which we observed in a petri dish. In addition, students also completed their sketches of their pill bugs and labeled all the different external parts of the roly-poly with the help of some Google images. After Part A, we moved on to Part B of the pill bug investigation, where students collected a total of eight pill bugs and placed them in a choice chamber, which looks like two petri dishes connected by a small bridge. Now in Part B, what we were trying to show is that pill bugs will have no preference on either side of this choice, choice chamber if no stimulus is present. Students conducted two to three trials with each trial lasting five minutes. Students recorded how many pill bugs were in each chamber every 30 seconds of the five minutes. So essentially what students were conducting is the control portion of the experiment. And students did show with their averages, their means, of their trials that pill bugs don't really prefer a particular chamber when no stimulus is present. And this pretty much brought us to an end of our Tuesday. On Wednesday, we started class with exam data and grades for our recent lab safety, CER, experimental design, chemistry, and water exam. And the data was pretty impressive. Overall, averages were solid for this first exam. Most classes were in the low to mid B range. But as they say, the cream rises to the top. And the class that took that honor 
and the trophy for highest class average in the exam is six period. They just crushed the exam with an 87.3 class average. Now that's impressive. So it looks like six period has answered the call for top class average. Will any other periods step up to the plate and challenge them? We'll find out on the next exam. Now, before we move on, I also want to give a shout out to five students who earned perfect scores on the exams and whose names are on the Keeping It 100 Wall of Fame. From first period, Madison Pope. From seventh period, Alexander Keener, Arzine Throbani, and Ashley Ray. And from eighth period, Kareem Laddick. So if you see these students in the halls or in class, give them a little high five or a, hey, way to keep it 100. Congrats. After the exam data, we used the majority of the period planning and discussing Part C of the Animal Behavior Investigation. This is where teams decided what stimulus they wanted to add to one of the chambers in the choice tray to observe if pill bugs will be attracted to that stimulus or not. In other words, taxes behavior is what was being studied and investigated. Students spent time designing their experiment and deciding on the stimulus of their choice, as long as it was safe for the pill bugs and team members. Students recorded the question for their investigation, a hypothesis stated their independent variable, the number of trials in their controlled experiment, what the dependent variable will be, which for all groups will be the same, which is the number of pill bugs in each chamber. Teams also recorded the constants and materials needed for the experiment. Students also assign roles each member will play to ensure the experiment is executed in a timely and efficient manner. Roles in the lab investigation are lab supervisor, lab timer, lab scribe slash reporter, and lab tech. We ended Wednesday by starting our journey into chapter four, carbon. Now we studied water and we know it's bees. So if water is bees, then carbon is straight up dope, son. Okay, I should never do that again. Gotta remember, I'm not a high school student. In our notes, we learned that all life is carbon-based and hence needs to be studied. We looked at what makes carbon so versatile and dope, which is those four valence electrons it has in its valence shell. And those four electrons are all unpaired, which means carbon can share these electrons and form bonds with several other atoms elements especially with other carbon atoms. When it starts bonding with other carbons, it starts forming these long carbon chains, which end up being the backbone to every organic compound, from carbs to lipids to proteins to DNA and RNA. And right about here is where our Wednesday ended. Before we move on to Thursday, let's get a word from our sponsor for this segment. Hey, are you tired of the same old sugary drinks with little to no nutritional value and lame properties? If so, next time you're thirsty, reach for some Beast Dihydrogen Monoxide. Its Beast properties will keep you hydrated and feeling fresh all day long. What properties you say? How about being a versatile solvent, expanding upon freezing, high surface tension, and much more. So next time you feel like you're beginning to overheat, Drink some dihydrogen monoxide and let its evaporative cooling release that heat and cool you down. And we're back. Thursday, we started the class by finishing our lecture on carbon, 
chapter 4, where we added a new term to our biological vocabulary, that being isomers. Now, isomers are molecules with the same molecular formula, but are different in structures, which in biology can and is a huge deal. Because remember, in biology, structure dictates function. Now, there are three types of isomers we need to know and will be on the quiz on Monday over chapter four. They are structural, geometric, also known as cis-trans, and enantiomers, also known as stereoisomers. Now, the one that ends up being the most interesting is enantiomers, which are molecules with the same molecular formula, but are mirror images of each other. Now, we might think, okay, so is that really a big deal? Well, in biology, it is. That slight change to a mirror image can make that molecule either ineffective, where it doesn't bind to what it's supposed to, or it could start binding to receptors or molecules that it's not supposed to. Our example that we discuss was a drug developed in Germany in the 1950s called thalidolamide, a drug used to help with morning sickness that ended up causing birth defects in children of women using the drug, those defects being missing limbs and improper development of the fetus. And all this happened because the drug was being converted to its mirror image and crossing into the fetus and interfering with the proper development of the baby. Now, for the quiz on Monday, make sure to go back and review these three types of isomers. Be able to identify if given images of two molecules with the same molecular formula, what type of isomer it would be, along with what these isomers could possibly lead to. Remember, structure dictates function. In our final part of our notes, we discussed and learned about functional groups, the parts of the molecules or organic compounds that are involved in chemical reactions and pretty much end up determining how that carbon compound will function. There are six functional groups important in the chemistry of life, and we covered all six. Hydroxyl groups, carbonyl groups, carboxyl groups, amino groups, sulfhydryl groups, and phosphate groups. I'll do a quick recap of the six functional groups, which you need to know by structure and function for the quiz. First, let's start off with hydroxyl groups. This is a carbon skeleton with an OH attached to it, usually called an alcohol, and they can attract water molecules, helping organic compounds dissolve in solution. We also have carbonyl functional groups, a carbon skeleton with a carbon double bonded to an oxygen. We find these in most sugars, helping sugars dissolve in water. Now, depending where we find carbonyl groups, it could either be a ketone if found somewhere in the middle of the carbon skeleton or an aldehyde if found at the end of a carbon skeleton. Next, we have the carboxyl functional group, carbon skeleton with a carbon double bonded to an oxygen and also bonded to a hydroxyl, an OH, so COOH. This functional group makes solutions acidic due to the hydrogen disassociating or falling out into solution. And remember, the more hydrogen ions, H plus is in a solution, the more acidic it becomes. Next, we have the amino functional group, carbon skeleton bonded to a nitrogen atom and two to three hydrogens attached to that nitrogen. This ends up making amino acids, which are the building blocks of proteins, and it could also sometimes act as a base. We also have sulfhydro functional groups, 
carbon skeleton bonded to a sulfur atom and a hydrogen. Now they help stabilize the complex structures of several proteins. And finally, we have the phosphate functional group. A carbon skeleton bonded to an oxygen bonded to a phosphate atom, which itself is bonded to three other oxygens. Now its main function is to transfer energy between organic compounds. Remember, think ATP, adenosine, triphosphate, a high energy molecule due to the three phosphate functional groups attached. So hopefully you made some flashcards and you keep them handy. So whenever you have some downtime, cha-ching, cha-ching, boom, review your functional groups. And this was our Thursday. Finally, Friday came around and we started the class by approving and stamping your experimental design plans for the animal behavior investigation. Pretty much all projects were approved. A couple need to be approved on Monday. Now remember, Tuesday will be go day for the experiment. So don't forget to bring your materials and your stimulus. After the approval of experiments, we worked on some unfinished business with our Water is Beast investigation. Students competed in teams in Game 1 of the Water Olympics, where teams used the power of adhesion and cohesion to fill a beaker with water a meter away from their lab table via a 5-foot string. Now, teams competed well, but only one team in each class could be victorious. And to these winners, congrats. You will receive your coupon voucher on Monday for 10 points to be added to your lowest quiz at the end of the nine weeks. We ended our Friday class with a recap of functional groups, reviewing their structures and functions they give to molecules they're attached to. Now, remember that 60% of the quiz on Monday will be functional groups. And now, biology in the news today. Recent published papers by geologists have shed light on the final hours of the dinosaur's reign on this planet. Moments after a meteor that left a crater six miles wide off the coast of Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula, the force of the meteor impact formed large mounds of earth around the crater sparked fires across the planet, created tsunamis, tidal waves around the world, and covered the atmosphere with burning ash, smoke, and debris, pretty much blocking out the sun for months, and roughly ending 70% of life on Earth, all happening in the following hours, days, weeks, and months after the impact, and most notably ending the rain of the dinosaurs. Now I will include a link to a few articles on Inmoto describing the moments after the impact in more detail. And that is our biology in the news today segment. And now our final segment, going into Mr. V's inner thoughts. This week, I will reveal my top five Johnson teachers I have beef with and just can't stand to the point that when I hear them talk or just see their face, I just want to, well, I think you get the picture. Well, coming in at number five is... And that was number one of the top five teachers I just can't stand. Whew, gotta cool down now. 
Hope that list doesn't get me into any trouble. Well, this closes out episode four, week four of Evolving with Mr. V. I hope you found this podcast informative and entertaining. I want to thank Free Music Archive for the music in the podcast. This podcast is produced, written, and directed by Velasquez Productions. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast via your podcast listening platform. Feel free to comment on the podcast or give a review on the podcast on your podcast platform. This is your host, Mr. Oscar Velasquez, your Master of Biological Arts, signing off and reminding you to please, please, for your professor's sake, make some flashcards and cha-ching, cha-ching. So I could